0: Hey everybody, this is Bob Lord from SISA, and you're listening to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons.
1: Hello everybody, welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Kerry Parker. Today we have episode 305 for January 2nd, 2023. So it's a brand new year. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a fun and safe New Year's Eve celebration. And today was going to be my annual New Year's resolution show where we do the new show, but I save some time at the end for some tips for things you might want to consider doing some New Year's privacy and security resolutions you might consider adopting for 2023. Unfortunately, that is going to have to be postponed, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why in just a minute. First of all, though, the big giveaway has completed. It ended on New Year's Eve. Uh, by the time you hear this, I will have already reached out to the five winners, the one grand prize winner and the four regular winners, to confirm their email addresses, and I will be sending out the digital prizes via email right away, and for the grand prize winner, I will be negotiating with them on how to ship them their stuff. Thank you for everybody who entered and congratulations to the winners. And also thanks to the new patrons that that came on board and signed up for annual subscriptions during the months of December. And you guys will be getting your swag packs soon if you haven't gotten them already. All right. So it turns out that one of the things that I had given away as a free one year subscription to the winners of the contest uh, was subscriptions to LastPass. So that brings us to why we have a special report today and a very special interview. On December 22nd, LastPass announced that the breaches that they had detected and the unusual activity that they had seen appears to show that bad actors had stolen copies of people's password vaults. And this, as we like to say in the security business, is bad. Now, there's a lot of nuance to this, and there's a lot of things to consider that we are going to get into today, both in the interview and after the interview. But the upshot is, is that I will no longer be recommending LastPass as a password manager to people who are just starting to get into password managers. As for people who are already using LastPass, we will get into that. But for right now, what I do want to say is that for those of you who won the contest, I will still send you the free subscription coupons for one year of LastPass. However, I will also give you the option of one free year of Bitwarden as well. I feel compelled to do that given what we're about to go through today. And I think that's, I think that's only right. So for those of you that won, uh, check your email boxes, make sure you check your spam and junk as well in case it went there. And if after hearing today's episode or reading my blog, you decide that you would rather not use LastPass, I will cover the cost of Bitwarden for you for one year instead. So why would I do that? Well, on December 22nd, LastPass released a bombshell blog article slash press release stating that backup copies of people's encrypted password vaults were stolen from a third-party cloud backup service that they use, which has caused quite a stir in the cybersecurity community, As well, it should. I have recommended and I have used LastPass for many, many years. All my immediate family is using LastPass. And so, because I've recommended it, I feel particularly compelled to address this issue and get to the bottom of what happened. And more importantly, if you are a LastPass user, what you should do about it. So, last week after Christmas, as this was developing and I was starting to read more social media posts and and blog articles about what had happened and some of the new security concerns that people had over what LastPass was doing, I went to my network and managed to pull together an interview with a top security advisor from the U.S. government. And so today, we're, instead of a news show, we are going to be talking with Bob Lord, who is a senior technical advisor for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, And then after this interview, I will give you my personal take on what happened and what steps I believe you should take. This is a special episode. I know it's going to run long. I'm not going to worry about that this time because I think this needs to be covered. This is also a very important subject, and this incident is going to be a teachable moment. And I think this is something important for everybody, Uh, even if you don't use LastPass, even if you don't use a password manager, this incident has brought to light a lot of nuances about how we authenticate ourselves and how we keep our secrets that are important so this would be for example a great episode that you might want to share with friends and family or on social media my blog post as well because it's a really really important topic and we're going to try to exhaustively go through this today the other thing i want to mention is this is a fluid situation this is an ongoing event I interviewed Bob on Friday and I'm recording this on Saturday and I have learned more just in that last 24 hours, which I will talk about after the interview. And I'm sure that there have probably been other things learned since I recorded this. And, you know, certainly by the time you hear this, it could have been several days. So another thing I will recommend is that if you want the most urgent up-to-date stuff, you might want to follow me on social media, in particular, Twitter and Mastodon uh, and Facebook. That is where I tend to post, you know, things that need to be disseminated quickly but also, as a fluid situation, we will find out more as this stuff goes on and that may change my recommendations uh, and the things I think you should do. So take everything you hear today with somewhat with a grain of salt. These are gonna be decisions you're gonna have to make based on what you hear. I encourage you to find information on in other sources as well. Check out Krebs on Security, check out Ars Technica, go to TechLore, go to Consumer Reports, you know, wherever you can find an independent source of, of news that will talk about this subject. Keep an eye on what they're saying, and digest that as well and and factor that into your decision making process. All right, so I want to get to the interview. But before we do a couple quick terms that we throw out in the interview that I want to define. MFA is multi factor authentication. It's similar to two FA or two factor authentication. It's basically more than one factor. It's more than one thing that you need to use to get into an account. We talk about SQL and SQLite. SQL is a structured query language that's used for databases and databases are just fancy software things that hold data. When we talk about an APT, that is an advanced persistent threat. Those are you know, cyber criminal groups, cyber hacking groups uh, that tend to be nation states. Uh, we often think of Russia and China and North Korea uh, when we think about that, but that's what we're talking about when we say APT. And also brute forcing, when we're talking about brute forcing a password, basically, if I can't guess your password, and there's a lot of great tools out there, which we're gonna talk about in this interview today, that bad guys have at their disposal to try to guess all the really bad passwords that people use. They've got huge lists that they try. And once they go through those and go through the simple ones, then they have to go through this process called brute forcing, where they basically just guess every possible combination of letters, numbers, and symbols until they guess your password. If they get to that point and you've got a strong password, you're in good shape. Because it will take a crazed supercomputer billions of years to guess a truly strong, long, unique password if they've got to guess all combinations. So when we're talking about brute forcing, that's what we're talking about. All right, let's get right to it. Let's get to our interview with Bob. And then after the interview, I will update you on some information that I've learned since the interview. And I will give you my take on what happened and what you should do, particularly if you are a LastPass customer. All right, let's get to our interview. Bob Lord is a Senior Technical Advisor for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, and a former Chief Information Security Officer for Yahoo. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you for having me. It's going to be great. And especially thanks for coming on. I know this was short notice. I really appreciate that. But my hair is on fire. Like the sky, I want to say the sky is falling. I'm hoping you're going to top me off the ledge. But I've been recommending LastPass for years and to to my various audiences. And I've been a user for many, many years. And I've had people that I trust recommend it over, you know, and... So I kind of went with that and and since then I've had no reason not to, but man, I got to tell you what, the stuff that's happened in this last couple of weeks has really given me pause and I'm really worried. So I want to dig into that with you. So let's, let's, let's get started. Let's get right into this. So let's do it. <laughs> so you know, LastPass is the maker of a very popular, maybe the most popular, password manager out there. We as humans are horrible at passwords. You should always be using a password manager. But I'm afraid of things that like these, what we're about to talk about, this is going to turn people off. Or people that haven't done it yet, because I see I was right all along, this is why I shouldn't be using a password manager. But they've had in the last four or five months, they've had not one but two breaches. So and they're related. So Can you walk us through that? Like, go through the timeline. Tell us what happened. You know, what do we know about what data was taken and who was affected? Sure.
0: and and just I want to emphasize exactly what you said, which is uh, there's this general concern that the uh, the events of of the past few weeks are going to turn people off for doing good security hygiene. and and so I think we should start the conversation with that, and we should also make sure that we end the conversation with that. you know I, I and I don't I don't know anybody who's actually saying, don't use password managers. So I want to really want to make that clear upfront. The other thing i want to make clear is that we should not lose sight of the fact that the bad guys here are the bad guys <laughs> so mm-hmm. the people who have been breaking in and stealing our stuff and we shouldn't lose sight that we are in this weird position of being up against dedicated human adversaries who work in long-term campaigns and so there's just going to be a lot that we don't know because They work in secret and because they're dedicated and human. But we should really start by saying the bad guys are the bad guys. And we should also say that the company is in the middle of a breach investigation. And so that limits uh, what they can say for a whole bunch of reasons. And we can talk about that, too. Um, And so, you know, just taking a look at the the blog post. So, you know, I obviously have no inside information. I'm just reading things just like you are. And it looks like back in August, there was a first blog post which talked about somebody who was, uh, somebody had gained access to portions of their development environment. And then in September, they released an update that talked with a little bit more, a little bit more detail about how there was a four-day period in August when the, the some sort of threat actor had limited access to their networks. They went on to talk about how their networks were physically separated from their development environment to the production environment. So they gave you a little bit of a hint that they had been trying to establish some best practices there. They, Because the development environment was potentially affected, they said that they went through and did an analysis of the source code to make sure that nothing had been poisoned or if there had mm-hmm. been some sort of injection. And so that was that September blog post. Uh, then they did another one at the end of uh, November. And this is when they said they've detected some unusual activity in a third-party cloud storage system. Hmm. And that's when things started to get a little bit interesting. And then the announcement from the 22nd of December, where they said that the some threat actor had actually gained access to this cloud storage system, and they had been able to copy backup information which contains some customer account information like billing address and email address but then they they this is the part i think we're going to talk about which is they then revealed that the threat actor was able to make a copy of the customer vault data from the encrypted storage container so that's i think that's where we'll probably spend the, the bulk of what we were talking about we'll end up talking about that what the implications of that can be they did talk about how credit card information did not appear to be Affected but I'll also note that they use that phrase uh, that there's no evidence right. that credit card Information was was taken and so we can talk a little bit about what that means from a comms perspective oh, Right. Um, and, and they and then they revealed that yes, uh, a threat actor may attempt to brute force or guess your master password to crack your vault. And so I think that's that's where your you and yes. your listeners probably already uh, have been uh, thinking a little bit about what the implications of all that is.
1: Right. Yeah, as the classic phrase goes, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, right is the classic phrase. I read the article too uh, from from LastPass. It wasn't clear to me who was affected. Was it all users? Mm-hmm. Does it include past users? Do we know? Yeah, uh,
0: so I think there's more that we don't know than what we do know, um, and so you know we we have questions like which backups did they steal? Did they steal the backups from current customers or also from past customers? When were they stolen? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I know if I'm affected? How many customers were affected? Which exact fields were encrypted? So I think there are there are a lot of questions that have to be. Asked and we're not likely to get those right away. In, in part because this is, so far as we can tell from the outside, an active investigation. Right. They're working with the third party uh, investigators. They, they're working with uh, with law enforcement, and sometimes that limits what they can say for a whole bunch of reasons. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that people aren't, uh, as you've seen the chatter in in the social media networks. You know that doesn't mean that people aren't uh, upset. And in some cases, uh very upset. Yeah. But uh but th- so we, we're just going to have to wait for that information is is so far as I can tell what we what we have to do.
1: Those are two very important points. And I think definitely think the audience needs to keep that in mind. This is a developing thing. As they put out these releases, it has to go through multiple People that have to approve this, including lawyers, and not just for CYA reasons, but also, as you said, I mean, there are things that could jeopardize the investigation. So, uh, you know, I, we need to cut them a little bit of slack, I think. <laughs> and I don't want to be an apologist. But I think we need to keep these kind of things in mind. So I'm glad to bring that up. I think to understand the risks involved, we need to cover some basic technical aspects of what is really going on. Like most people don't really think about what is happening with their data as they sign up for this thing and they enter a password and their browser, you know, plugin accepts it. But what is really going on? Like, so, so if you could, you know, at at a high level, how does a cloud synced password vault work? Where is that data actually stored? Where is it encrypted? And maybe where is it not encrypted? How does my master password protect that vault? And then uh, finally, how does two-factor authentication fit into this? Because there's that's a really confusing thing. I think a lot of people think that there's like a second lock on the vault that is your two-factor, but it, my, my understanding, and hopefully you can clear this up, is that's not really how that works. So help us understand this.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that last part first because that I see that as a, as a common point of confusion. So think about uh, any of these services as a uh, a door to uh you know some facility and you have the key to open the door. The bad guys are going to try to break in, but they have to try lots of different keys and it turns out that that if the system is well designed, they're not likely to be able to guess your password. And so You, of course, can improve your chances of keeping them out by using some form of MFA. And there's different strengths of MFA. Uh, You know, the the one that I I tend to urge people to to contemplate, especially enterprises, is moving to a FIDO authentication, which is a phishing resistant form of MFA. But let's just be clear. Any form of MFA is better than no MFA. Mm -hmm. And so MFA is for that use case where You wanna go into the front door, you provide your name and password, you also provide the MFA, you can go in. The attacker is going to try to get your password. They may fish you, they may count on you having bad password Mm -hmm. hygiene, which we'll talk about, uh, and reusing passwords. Maybe they've gotten one from a previous dump. Mm -hmm. They'll then try to go in. If you have MFA, they then have this additional burden to get through the front door. What we're talking about here is something different. What we're talking about is somebody breaking through the walls of the bank with a giant forklift and taking a, a copy, a virtual copy of the entire vault, the entire, you know, the vault of vaults, the, mm. the, the place where they store all of your individual vaults. So MFA is not really going to be a factor in that. It's good for you to have MFA, but it's only going to be useful for some attack scenarios, it's not necessarily going to be useful in this particular attack scenario. So please go turn on MFA. But it's not really going to have helped you in this particular case.
1: As I'm entering stuff in my browser and setting new passwords, where are they actually being stored? Is it a file on my computer? Is that file encrypted? While it's on my computer? Is it encrypted only when it's transferred up to the cloud for syncing And you know, that sort of thing? How does that work?
0: Yeah, so I think it's it's different for different there are a lot of different password managers and they all work a little bit differently. Some will rely on something like a SQLite database that's a local copy of your vault which it then syncs back up to the cloud and others will do things like I saw the other day that Edge, uh, Microsoft Edge on the Mac, for example, uses Apple Mm Keychain. So there's lots of different ways in which the, the applications are going to be using both storage locally as well in the cloud. In the ideal case, of course, everything that gets to the cloud has been encrypted on your local machine so that even should there be a breach of those vaults, the attacker still has to go through the work of trying to brute force all of those passwords so again there's that there's that difference there's a difference between the pure cloud plays versus the ones that are purely local and there are a bunch of products that for a variety of reasons can be configured or just always are in this mode where it's always local and if you wanted to share that it's then work that you have to do to put those vault files on a shared folder like a Dropbox or OneDrive or something like that. So there are these hybrid modes that you can that you can see as well. This one with LastPass, so far as I know, is is really uh one that is heavily biased towards the cloud storage.
1: Right. So maybe to put this in terms like an analogy. So it's it's like you have a safe full of stuff. And if you want to ship that safe somewhere, it's locked before you ever ship it. And then during shipping, it's locked with your lock combination. If anybody were to, you know, steal that safe in transit, they would have to get through that lock with your thing. And assuming they can't That's afford right. the thing, they, you know, that what they need is your password. But of course, people are really bad at, cho- at choosing passwords, even master passwords. So LastPass has a technique. And I think this is also kind of an industry standard that they there's this tool, this Cryptic sounding thing called a password-based key derivation function uh, that it they just can rolls use. Rolls off the tongue. I, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't that I haven't figured out yet. The 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 acronym has a two at the end of that. I don't know if it's a version number or, or it's, what. Yes,
0: it's, it's the second iteration. Okay, yeah. gotcha.
1: Okay, so PBFKD two. What well, anyway? It's, it's it's that is even worse as far as rolling off the tongue. But they have this, so they have this thing because I know people are bad at using bad passwords. So what they do is they kind of munge your password. Can you explain? at a high level, what they're doing there and then, but the key part there is this iteration thing and then and why iterations are important and what LastPass has done. Uh, they Do they do this properly?
0: Right. So one of the things you have to do is you have to take the password that you've chosen and hopefully it's a good one. We'll talk about that. And we have to turn that into a cryptographic key that then the crypto engine can then use to encrypt your data. And so your password might have uh, let's say you really you have really good passwords and it has 16 characters, but but somebody else's may have 35 characters in their password. How mm. do you turn those into something that is a fixed length so that it can be used by the cryptography engine to encrypt? And so it'll go through this process of hashing. And hashing is a, a one-way function that takes arbitrary sized inputs and then it outputs a a fixed size number of bits. And so they'll use uh, hashing schemes like SHA-256 and they'll take your password and they'll then turn that into something that could be used as a cryptographic key. But what you just said is correct, which is people may not be choosing very good passwords. And so they want the designers of these systems anticipate that it is possible that somebody could steal the vault maybe they steal it uh, from your hard drive or from their from their services, wherever they steal it from, and they want to create some work for the attackers. They don't want them to be able to just you know, quickly unlock all of the vaults. And so what they have to do is create some work for the attacker. And what they do is they run your, your password through one of these key derivation functions, like the easy to pronounce PBKDF2, <laughs> Uh, key derivation function, and what it will do is then hash it a certain number of times. It'll go through this operation. And so if you go through this operation ten times, it's going to increase the load for the attacker who's trying to presumably brute force a whole bunch of of, of different accounts. If you do it a hundred times, that's even it's even better because it's going to increase the cost of attack. If you do it a hundred thousand times, which is in the case of of last passes uh, current settings and and others uh, as I as I understand it, that's even better. And so that increases the cost of attack. So they have to try every possible password that they want to try. And they have to go through and spend a lot of CPU cycles to go do that.
1: All right. Now, one of the criticisms that I've read, and I've I've read a few from some other security researchers, is that as time goes on and computers get stronger, then we raise these standards. We, we make these things more difficult. Like in the early days, I think, for example, LastPass had maybe a few hundred or maybe even a few thousand iterations of this key derivation function. And over the years, as computers have gotten better and and they have cranked the requirements up, they've made it harder. They've made it like, I think, like you said, it's a hundred thousand or a little bit more. However, my also understanding and I've been a last, long time LastPass user, I remember years ago, and I think I may have gotten an email about this, or maybe I read an article about it that tipped me off to do it, but they increased that level from something, what we consider to be small and insufficient to something much larger, but they didn't require the customers to this is something you would actually have to do. Like you would actually change. There's a setting you can make in LastPass that says how many iterations do I want to use. And i my understanding is is that if you didn't go and increase it yourself, if you were an older customer that had the earlier lower requirements, that it didn't automatically bump you up to the newer ones. Are you are you aware that if that was the case?
0: I saw some chatter, so I, I want to say I don't know, but mm-hmm. I've seen people say both that they made no changes, they've been a long-time customer, and they had the 100,100 100, 100 iterations. I've seen other people say that they still had 5,000 iterations. And so I, I think it remains to be seen why that is the case. Hmm. There are enough of these people talking about that fact in social media that we have to take that very seriously. And, and I think we, we need to wait for LastPass to, to say exactly how that could have happened. I do want to say... You know, one of the things that I'm working on at CISA is this idea uh, that we should be we should be thinking more about the design of these products, not just mm-hmm. password managers, but products in general. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm hoping to do is to get people to really start demanding products that are both secure by design and secure by default. And so I'm perfectly happy to talk to you about the <laughs> the virtues of PBKDF2. But really, I think we want we want seatbelts that are built in and that engage when your car is stopping quickly. We want airbags that don't need to be tuned mm-hmm. by the customers to make sure that they inflate at precisely the right velocity. Uh, we we really do need to start demanding that that products across not just security products but like all products that they're all designed using good methods, good tools, and that they're delivered with safe defaults. So I think, you know, this is this is a good conversation to have. And I think we'll have to wait for LastPass to to reveal what it is that's really going on behind the scenes. But I don't want to have to go tune my mm-hmm. current password managers or go check to see if this is the case. And and so we should be using this as just one of many ways in which products need to be safer by design and safer by default.
1: Yes, I couldn't agree with more. And I and I, I think we need to make it, you're right, it has to be by default, because as soon as we, the user has to get involved, we're we're, <laughs> we're screwed, to be honest, because people are, it's not that people are lazy, or whatever, but some are, but it's it just one more thing people have to do and they never get around to doing it. And so it's just got to be by default. And by the way, I, I did look up how to check this. And I'll put a link in the show notes for people if they want to go and see what their personal because it's a personal setting. And I'll, and, and I'll put it in the show notes, but you can go check this yourself. Okay. So I've also seen reports, and this is honestly something that I've, of all the things I've seen, I think this is the one that I think is most troubling. And that is that in LastPass's last case in particular, I was certainly led to believe, and I just assumed this would be the case, which was turned out to be a poor assumption that everything in my vault would be encrypted. Like, why wouldn't it be? I don't, <laughs> it didn't make sense that it wouldn't be. And yet I've heard, and I've yet to, verify this myself, that some of the items in your vault, for example, the URLs, the web addresses associated with the items in in your password vault were not encrypted. In other words, that the bad guys should, assuming they have these things in their hot little hands, could without guessing your master password or brute forcing your master password, glean some potentially interesting information from your vault without ever hacking it. What do we know about this?
0: So I think exactly what you said, which is that there is uh, that there are some fields that were encrypted, and some that were not, and and again I don't I don't know that we have the full uh, schema. There are people who have been digging in to look at the database and and trying to glean this information. It, it does seem like it would be a reasonable thing to encrypt the information uh, like URLs and other information in, in the day di- I mean people put all sorts of information into their mm-hmm. uh, into these things they put their passport numbers and they port uh, credit card numbers and I think it remains to be seen exactly which of these types of fields was encrypted uh, when it was sent up. And people have rightfully pointed out that the URLs that you visit may leak information that could be used by a variety of threat actors. And, and you know, let's let's set aside the nation-state actors; just common criminals. You know, knowing where you bank, knowing you know where you live, and, and these other things could be used against people in a variety of phishing scams, or uh, I mean, the entire spectrum of, right. of of possible attacks. So, yeah, that seems like something we should a conversation that we should be having broadly. I. Don't know what the other manufacturers do to be honest with you right. so i think for each of these criticisms that i've been reading in the in the the mastodon sphere and the twitter sphere i want i want us to step back and say what is the industry doing and what mm-hmm. should the industry norms be for this mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that LastPass is doing what is consistently done and we need to up-level the entire industry, it's possible that they're an outlier. I I don't know at this point. And so I think that's the conversation that we need to be having, hopefully at the very beginning of, of this coming new year. Uh, because again, we really don't want people to think that password managers are anything but a good idea. Right. And this whole episode is causing people to have some 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 doubts. And that can be bad for overall the overall security of the net.
1: The other thing that was in LastPass's most recent blog post, uh, once they've uh, figured out and disclosed that, yes, in fact, copies of your vault appear to be in the bad guy's hands, is that as long as you followed their advice, (laughs) which is a big if, and created a quote-unquote secure master password that there's really nothing to worry about. Well, and I don't know if they quite put it that way, but they said there's really nothing else for you to do at this point because, hey, you've got a really good password, so mathematically speaking they're going to have to brute force this which and i've gone through these numbers you know in my book and in in previous podcasts when i talk about password strength and yeah the math does bear out even with a supercomputer at the level of the nsa there's just it just takes a certain amount of time to guess all possible combinations of 14 to 20 characters and something uh so first of all how do i how do i know that i've got a strong password let's let's briefly describe what that really really means and then second how, how credible is that claim that if you know if you've got a strong vault password that you, hey you're you're fine don't worry about this it's it's all good
0: so let's talk about what a strong password is and I'm I'm going to say what I think it is but you should feel free to push back because I think there's sometimes <laughs> uh, some some uh, you know some some room for wiggle here so I think a strong password is three things it is long it is unique and it is randomly generated. So let me pause there and see if, if you want to add anything or subtract anything.
1: No, I I think that's right. The, the problem is, is that most people can't remember something like that. So they come up with something yeah. else. And I've, and I've, you know, some of the techniques that I've talked about in years is, you know, find a phrase from a book or a poem or a song mm. lyric, you know, take the first characters, take all the punctuation you know, and then do a couple modifications that you will remember. And, you know, when you look at that, that, that looks pretty random. There actually is a pattern there, but it's not the kind, yeah. kind of pattern that someone would figure out. But I mean, a truly random 20 character password, including special characters. I don't think an average human is up to the snuff, even if they only have one of those to remember to do it. So in, yeah. in reality, while I completely agree and all my regular passwords that are generated are that way, but the master password that I have to be able to remember and type in every time you get in my vault is not going to probably be that. Right? Right.
0: And so you notice I didn't say special characters. So complexity, mm. which is, you know, numbers, upper and lower case special characters, complexity has. It used to be really thought of as as one of the major things that you need to have. And over time, it's really fallen out of favor compared to length. And so I Mm. think of a good password for a vault as being at least 16 characters. And when I say unique, I mean like unique in the universe. Like Mm, it's not possible that anyone else on Mars has come up with the same set of uh, characters. And so you need it to be really randomly generated. And you can do that. By their online generators, there's also a thing called Diceware. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever talked about oh, Diceware. Yes. So you can literally use dice and and a list of of words to come up with something. I prefer those mechanisms rather than coming up with the upper and lowercase four or five words. Is ten that tends to be what mm-hmm. I use for these kinds of things, and. I come up with little stories yep. because, you know, especially if it's a word I don't really know, sometimes I'll weave the fact that I don't really know what that is into my personal narrative. So when right. I'm typing, I'm sometimes a little slow for the first few first few weeks if I change my password because I'm having to tell myself a little story through these words, some of which I actually don't know what they mean, and, uh, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, so that tends to be the way I, I do that. So customers who have done that, have, assuming, and this is the other assumption, uh, that they have uh, an account that has the 100,000 iterations, you know, they are probably in reasonably good shape. Now, I I put a little asterisk there because I'll I'll tell you, if you've ever talked to somebody who is a professional password cracker, they're very clever Hmm. and uh, they are not guessing all possible iterations of all passwords hmm. they are looking at dictionaries they're loading the klingon bible yep. and i I kid i'm not making that up oh no yep they are loading the klingon bible into this and they're cracking it so if you picked you know a phrase you think surely nobody would know <laughs> this 14th century poet <laughs> well let me tell you there is a database that has that 14th century obscure poet with all of his or her works in there and so they're they're combining all of these things and and running them through really amazing equipment. I mean, they're not running this on their PCs. They're running these on their gaming rigs, so they'll go out and they'll buy dozens of, yeah. of cards. I mean, it's really a... It's, it's truly an amazing thing that they do. So... You know, I think that the mechanisms that we've just talked about are probably going to resist their their best attempts. But I think any deviation from there—if you use too few words, if you if they're not truly random words, if you've reused them anywhere else—then those those sorts of strong guarantees start to fall apart.
1: Well, and I wanted to call attention to the fact that you said that you didn't even know what some of these words are, and that's. The, the real tough thing with a lot of people with passphrases is when they generate passphrases. And by the way, I, I, I've actually got a site called d20key.com because I created these little challenge coins that work like a D20, but I had to take the dice key list. I had to expand it because D20s didn't map well to a bunch of six-sided dice. I needed more. Anyway, so I created my own list. But what people do when they generate passphrases is they'll get a word they don't know or they don't like and they'll, they'll skip it. And so as you if, if you keep hitting, re, you know, re-roll on these to get words you like, then it's not really random, right? So I, I applaud you that you actually, hmm, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to keep it because darn it, that was random. And I will <laughs> learn what that is instead of changing it to something that people might know that I would know. You will be
0: surprised. You type it enough times. Like you said, you have to type it every day. And once you start to tell yourself a little story, you will be able to, through muscle memory and through just the power of narrative, you will be able to do it. It's, it's, if you believe in yourself, I promise you will be able to do it. And you only have to do it for a small number of passwords. The password vault takes care of all of the other passwords. So it's actually a fairly small ask. People just don't think that they have good memories and right. they actually do.
1: Well, and you know, it, it's a, that's correct. It's a horse battery staple. And if you, so if you've ever seen the right. XK, all right. XKCD cartoon, and I'll link to that, then you'll, you'll get that joke. Okay. So what if I didn't, choose a strong password. I'm listening to this right now. thinking, "Uh, Okay. I didn't do that. I, you know, I, I, I use my grandkids names or my anniversary or my favorite cartoon character or whatever, or you're maybe just out of an abundance of caution. I'm thinking, you know, maybe what I did is my secure enough. So if, if that's the case, if I'm feeling uneasy about that, Uh, And and let's be clear, they have a copy of your vault. So changing your master password now won't help in that sense because the vault copy they have is locked with your old password. Whatever that is, it is what it is. But you still probably should be changing your master password because if they do figure that out, then they can go log into your account. So like, for instance, LastPass basically said, Okay, if if you think you've got a bad password, you should A, first and foremost, change your master password because that will that will make sure they can't get into your account if they do guess your current old password. And the second, now you need to go and start changing all your passwords, starting with the most important ones. First, does that approach make sense? Would you modify that in any way?
0: I think that sounds right. Again, you have all of these passwords across the <laughs> across the internet, which are now potentially vulnerable. You don't know if you are a target. You don't know if their particular password cracking rigs are going to be able to uncover your password. And so you just have to kind of assume that they will. And the first step, of course, is to change the access to the vault. So creating a new, really strong password the way that the way that you've described and we've talked about here is that first step. But again, if they already have your mail password, they have your mail password. So you have to go through the process of changing that uh, as well. And so prioritization is going to be key. So Email, I think, is at the top of the list. Social media, financial uh, information, financial logins I think those would be the the, the top places. Um, am I missing anything? Those are I, go, like I would say
1: government accounts, IRS, social security, accounts. if you have those. That would be
0: great. Love it. Yeah, perfect, perfect.
1: Explain to people why social media and email accounts. I mean, a lot of people think, ah, there's nothing there I care about. Why, why, are, why are those so important? They, they do think
0: that. And <laughs> I try to tell them that it is. So your email account is your trust anchor it is the place that you send password reset notices to. So when you go to some other sports site and you say, oh, this one isn't in my, my password vault, This must have been created before I got good hygiene after listening to your show. And I'll have to just reset it. Where does that password reset go? It goes to your email account. And so even older email accounts will almost certainly have, will be attached to other services that you've used in the past. So it's not just your current one, the one that you like the most, the one that you use the most. It's the one that you may have used a couple of years ago and haven't really used it for. You'd be surprised how many password reset notices will go to that old account. So those are really important. Social media is also important because in it depends on who you are and what you do. Uh, that could be your public persona. It could be something that is part of your your job. It could be that it is part of the way that you engage with a certain community. If you have a lockdown account and you engage in uh, conversations with a smaller community, that community could then be exposed by having your uh, your account be compromised. So there are these other you know, second order effects that can happen that are all tied to uh, both email accounts and social media accounts. So I really do think people should take those very seriously. And I know everybody gets all wigged out about things like credit card numbers, but credit card numbers can be revoked and reissued. And I've had my credit card stolen a few times. Mm. And it is indeed a chore to sit there on the phone and say, no, that <laughs> no, that uh, that Ozzy Osbourne T-shirt was was not my purchase. Interesting choice, but uh, no. How about the uh, the one from uh, Van Halen? Nope, that T-shirt was not that was not mine. And so it is a chore to go through that process, but at the end, the bank will tend to make you whole in every case I've ever heard of in my life. And so you should be concerned about it, but it's it's a different level of concern than. You know, the fact that your mortgage account has a password reset that goes to your email account. Like, those are the things that are much harder to undo. And so, again, mail, social media, you added uh, the government and other other associated sites. Those are great additions. But, uh, but th- that would be the priority order I would go in.
1: Yes. And the other thing I always tell people about their social media and email accounts as well is that they could be used to basically try to fish and or scam everybody, you know, if I could get into your email account and all of a sudden send a quick email to everybody in your address list saying, Oh, Hey, I just lost my wallet and everything. Can you send me some money or, you know, Hey, this is super important. you click this right here or look at this document right now. You know, then I, and social media as well, I, I can, you know, because it's coming from you actually is, it's not even spoofed. It's actually coming from you. You might get your friends yeah, and family. Yeah.
0: And that is one of the things, you know, we, we hear people say only open attachments from people that you know and trust, <laughs> that trust can be violated by your friend who has their email account taken over. And yeah. so you think, oh, this is this is from Bob. This must be good. But it's from Bob's account. It's not really from Bob. And so that that particular file
1: may not be what you think it is. All right. So this is something that's got me scratching my head and, and makes me wonder about what's really going on here? So have there, has there been any evidence whatsoever that people's stolen password vaults have actually been compromised? So let's say, I mean, you know, obviously there's gotta be out of the millions of people's vaults that must've been stolen. A good portion of those people I'm sure chose bad passwords and these bad guys, surely if they have the capability of stealing, these have also got access to these tools you mentioned and have been cracking these vaults. But yet I have not heard of a rash of people's bank accounts being drained or accounts being taken over. If they've had these for two or three months, let's say, we don't know for sure, but it's it's been a while. Why haven't we heard more about this?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And uh, these things are always obvious in uh, hindsight mm. with 2020 hindsight. Uh, I don't I don't know. It, it's entirely I mean, I'm sure they'll, there's a whole spectrum of, of possible reasons. One is they haven't actually been cracking it. Uh, mm. I mean, remember over the past year, we've seen a series of joyriding attacks uh, where where people were breaking in. To various uh, high-profile, well-resourced companies, to do not all that much of very, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any of any value, and and so is this an example of joyriding, where it was more fun to steal it than not? Was this a criminal gang that's been selling these things on the black? on the black market, but we haven't actually put two and two together. The researchers who study these mm-hmm. things haven't been able to make the link. Don't know. Is this an APT thing? Don't know, but you're absolutely right. I've heard of no such reports. And I was thinking back a little bit to to think of other news reports that mm-hmm. might have fit the bill. I, I personally have not been able to make any, any connections like that. So the, the unfortunate unsatisfying answer <laughs> is, I don't know.
1: Well, and, and I'll throw one theory out and as long as we're just spitballing it, w- we don't know. I don't think we know at this point. I don't think LastPass has said who is responsible for this attack. But a possible solution, maybe, is that maybe it was a nation state, and the nation state isn't. They don't care about my bank account. They don't care about my email. They what they might care about is if, if Joe Biden had uh, a LastPass account, or you know, some senior military officer, or or those kind of things, where they might be looking for blackmail material, and that maybe you know, maybe that's why we haven't heard about it. Is that? <laughs> that's a theory. Just for example, that like the OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, they had all these fingerprints stolen years ago. But to the best of our, my knowledge, I've never seen in, that anybody ever did anything with those things.
0: Yeah. So again, we just don't know. Uh, one example that uh, that I'm intimately familiar with was the the Yahoo breach, and so that started off as an FSB operation. So that's the Russian security services. And uh, that was an intelligence operation, and it was targeted around two dozen sp- very specific people. And so what they really wanted was was detailed information on those people. For what? Don't know. Exactly which information did they want? Was it, you know was it their contact list? Don't know? Was it their, you know, their, their travel habits? Was it things in their scent don't know? But we do know that it was the FSB and that they really were interested in about two dozen very specific people is this a similar case? Again, it's it's one of these things where the investigation is going to have to play out. Investigations that lead to attribution can take a very long time, and that's not satisfying from, from the outside. If law enforcement is involved, if the intelligence community is involved, that adds more time and more process to, to the entire affair. So, I think I'll enjoy reading all of the, uh, the theories on, on the web, just like you are, but at this point, there's just not enough information for us to go on.
1: Bad things will happen even to good companies. And by that, I mean that, you know, even companies with solid security practices can be hacked. I mean, nothing is Fort Knox is not a hundred percent secure, right? I mean, it's going to happen. I, and I've seen a lot of criticism and I'm, and I, I'm really glad that you're taking the time to point out that we, there are still things we don't know and, for all we know that they've been following the best practices and like everybody else. And just, they were the ones that got caught in this one. And I've seen even some of their competitors, like I won't name them, but some of their competitors have already been blocking about how, how, well, we do, we would have done this better. This never would have happened to us. And it just really seems like a glass houses situation where you might not want to be doing that sort of thing. But you know, Based on the limited information we already have at this point, what is, what is your take on how LastPass has responded? Because, because this happened to anybody, what I usually look for is I don't care that it happened to these people unless they were really grossly negligent. What I want to see is how they respond. So wh- how do you think that they have responded so far? What have they done right? And maybe what could they have done better from what we know so far?
0: Yeah, so a couple things come to mind. You you point out that there is just a ton of chatter, uh, and people are expressing some really deep frustration. I also saw some uh, competitor feedback, which I thought was not in in I, I don't know, it was not sportsmanlike. Maybe mm, maybe that's the mm-hmm. way I say it. And I think partly my concern isn't that they're wrong, because I think they you know they probably know what they're talking about. But the, the concern is that it, it further makes it likely that people will, have, will hesitate around using a password manager. And so that, that for me is, is one of the things I worry about. And I don't want to dogpile on a, on a company that's going through this breach. <laughs> you know? right. so there, pl- there are plenty of people who will, who will <laughs> be happy to, to satisfy that itch. But you know, having gone through this on the other side, uh, at companies like Twitter and and at Yahoo, it's really, really hard uh to try to figure out how to make sure that you're doing the right things for the customers and there are a lot of competing forces so you know i think we want to see things like timeliness we want to see accuracy we want to see regular updates because as i said before there's just we there's so little that we do know there's there's so much to learn and so that transparency is going to be really important you know it's it's also good to have multiple communications channels so I want to hear, if I'm a customer, I want to hear from them directly, not through not through the social media. Mm-hmm. When you see these these announcements, you also want some empathy. You don't want them to downplay it too much. You want them to say, yeah, this is not good. We did prepare for it. You know, We did have a number of different mechanisms to prevent and detect these kinds of things. And of course, your vault is protected with these other things because this was part of our threat. You do want them to, to come through and say that, but you don't want them to downplay it. And clear instructions. You want them to be able to say, here's here's what you should be doing, and and for them to update that guidance as 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 things come along. I'll tell you some of the things that I don't like saying, and, and I think we touched on this uh before. I don't like to hear things like security is very important to us. Um uh, right. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I was responsible for that back in the 90s when I was at Netscape, but uh that may have been something we said back in the day. I also don't like the phrase, we have no evidence. I understand mm-hmm. that that's something that the lawyers probably um, have final say over. We don't like the organizations to overemphasize things that are not really important. Like we mentioned credit card information, you know, going to great lengths to explain that your credit card information right. is safe isn't actually, isn't actually important compared to all the other data. So, you know, these are all the things that I want. To hear from them, but these are at odds with law enforcement working the case, not tipping off the hackers as to what the company actually knows. The company may have discovered some soft spots in their overall patching mechanisms in their networking. And they need to close those before they say anything more. And and this is something that you only really realize when you are on the other side. There is a whole patchwork of legal notice uh, requirements that, Mm. that is in the United States. There is no unifying notice process or guidelines. So you have to figure out things like, do we have people in this state? Or how many people do we have who reside, to the best of our knowledge, in this state? And then what are the requirements around that state? Do we handle that separately? Or do we fold that in with all of our customers? And these conversations can go on for a long time with the lawyers, and they're actually lawyers who specialize in knowing what every state yeah. requires. Right. I mean, it's a it's a real it's a real headache. And then there's often uncertainty around things like, you know, what logs do you need? What forensic data do you need? Might there be in unused portions of the disk some artifacts that the hacker may have inadvertently left when they started deleting logs? Yeah. So there's these things just take time. And so those can really slow down the process of, of improving, you know, like I said, the timeliness and the accuracy of of, of these announcements.
1: All right. So I'll put you a little, little bit on the spot here and throw you a curveball. So you're big better on both sides of these things. And so you are now in a position in the, at the U.S. government where you might be able to affect some changes that you'd wish you'd had in when you were in the other side of this thing, what could the government or what should the government be doing to make it easier? Does there need to be a federal standard for how these things are released so we cannot not have the Patrick Quill? Do we need some sort of limited immunity if that, you know, if you report this within a certain amount of time, then you can forget about worrying about certain legal problems that are, you know, that may cause you to cover your butt away too much in your responses. What's the role for the U.S. government and either legislative bodies or at CISA or from the executive orders What kind of things could the government be doing to make it easier on these, on LastPass and companies like LastPass going through this?
0: So, uh, so Cisco is not a regulator. So I'll start off by saying that. So we're not going to be telling organizations what to do. I think that, you know, the main thing that I want to emphasize is uh, just that, that safety by design and safety by default. And that requires more transparency. So on a slightly orthogonal topic, you know, one of the things that we've been asking for is more MFA update. But one of the things that we've noticed is that if you think about enterprises that use MFA, it turns out the number of people, the percentage of people who use MFA in an enterprise setting is shockingly low. It's like mm-hmm. a third. It's like a third. It's like a quarter to a third. And and that's despite all of the, the headlines. All right. And so one of the things that we really want is for the companies that are, in this particular case, their enterprise companies. They have customers who may or may not be using MFA. We want them to re- to publish those statistics. So transparency is mm-hmm. going to help companies like Microsoft do publish those results. Um, uh, Twitter does. It's a consumer product company, so it's a little bit different. But those are the kinds of things that I, I really think are super helpful uh, in terms of the actual breach notification process. I think that does require a really good hard look for all of these reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that there's any one law or or program that's going to change all of that. Uh, I think we we do need to step back and take a look at the whole process and say, you know, we we do want to reduce the the chances of 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 a breach, but we really also need to make sure that we're doing right by the customers and often what is doing right by the customers means, you know, tightening up some of the requirements for 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 the companies. But, you know, I think there are so many different possible proposals. You just rattled off a few. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we're going to see those anytime soon.
1: All right. So here's, here's the million dollar question. <laughs> this it's all been leading up to this one. And this is the tough one. So give, given everything that we know at this point, should last pass users consider switching to a new password manager? We've already established that they should be using one. This shouldn't be an excuse not to use one. So is this a reason not to use LastPass, or could could all this stuff just as easily happen to any other cloud based password manager? And we talked about offline stuff. I'm focused on cloud based stuff here, there. But by the grace of God, go I right? One password, Bitwarden. This didn't happen to them this time. Do we know that they're better? Like, should is this an opportunity to switch to a quote unquote better one, or is it just was the LastPass draw the the short straw here, and it could have been them too?
0: So a few things. One is the dust hasn't settled, so we need to hear a lot more from LastPass about what's been going on. I also saw somebody say something to the effect of, "Hey, if you change vendors every time there's a security (laughs) incident, you'll end up only using companies that don't know when they've had a security incident." (laughs) And so I think there's there's a there's a germ of truth in that, Um, and so you know. uh, I, I say I can safely say CISO so would like you to use MFA and Cisco so would like you to have strong passwords we're not going to be recommending a particular uh, course of action for for a particular product I do think it's it's just because this is in the news it is worthy of conversation and it's good for everybody to ask themselves how they have chosen whatever, product they are using, Uh, they'll almost certainly be a percentage of even your, even your, your listener base is not using a password manager. And I actually think that these conversations can help them see the value because we're getting into all of the, the nitty gritty details. There are resources by neutral and respected organizations. Consumer Reports, for example, has a security planner. I don't know if you've used the security planner, but it's it's great. You go through and you tell it what you have and what your concerns are, and it comes up with a tailored list of things to do. I think that's very interesting. They also have a, a password manager section, so that might be of interest to people. But I think the main thing, and, and I just want to keep saying this, is, is not to give up on password managers. I've read a whole bunch of other things by people who have also said the same thing, which is, you know, a big asterisk. But none of this should cause you to lose faith in the idea of a password manager. We, we should still do that. Um, I also want to say that in in the spirit of trying to think a few chess moves ahead and try to figure out, like, how do we not get in this mess over and over and over again? we got to start talking more about things like passwordless. And and I know you'll probably want mm-hmm. to ask me about that also, but there's a limit to how much we're going to be able to take passwords that you memorize and share with a site and make that a robust security mechanism. Like we've pushed that really far and and further than it should have been pushed. Yeah. Uh, but there are, there are alternatives.
1: This is a teachable moment for them, right? I mean, we've seen companies go through these things and come out better. and it could very well be that by staying with LastPass, you will have the best product because they will learn from this and 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 make changes and uh, and in you know, overcompensate in a good way. it's It's a complex issue. It's and like you said, you can't you can't just switch every time somebody screws up or you'll you'll be left with nobody. So okay, yeah, so
0: or or ones who just have no clue as, as to what security <laughs> incidents right. like. Hey, look, this this product has never had a security incident. Right. <laughs> well, they have. They just
1: didn't know about Correct. it. Correct. All right. So you've already mentioned this. Let's bring it up as we wrap up here. Passwords do suck. We've we've been doing them for decades. For some reason, we have not come up with anything better, except there are technologies that you mentioned, passwordless or passkeys for authentication. Is that is that the solution? Because it seems to me that even with passkeys, we've got this public-private key thing. It does neatly solve the problem of if I've got a Yahoo account and Yahoo is hacked and they get a hold of my public key from Yahoo, that's meaningless. It doesn't help the bad guy at all. However... Even in this passwordless scheme, I have a set of private keys that are probably in my secure enclave or probably my TPM chip, but if I wanna use those on multiple devices, I still have to synchronize them somehow. Doesn't that just open up right back up to the exact same problem we're having here?
0: So, a few things. One is that the reason that we like things like FIDO authentication is that it's a widely available phishing resistant form of MFA. And so that means when I fall for the attack, because we will all fall for the phishing attack, they're just going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are fewer typos as, as time goes on. <laughs> and so we're going to fall for it when I do what the attacker says and I go to the website that I shouldn't be going to and I type my name and password because I wasn't using a password manager it's still going to fail and I'm mm-hmm. still going to be protected. And that's because of because of of password reuse and because of phishing because it is so darn easy to fish people. We need something that is going to be phishing resistant. Passkeys takes it to another level and says, well one of the challenges is not everybody can afford to have a bunch of hardware security keys or or whatever. And so I wanna be able to share that. And so the, the people in the FIDO Alliance have really worked with the trade-offs between the usability and security And it seems like they got it right, you know, if there are going to be enterprises, for example, that are just not going to use pass keys, they're just not they're going to say I'm going to issue the tokens. And if you lose your token, I will FedEx you a new one and you're out of work for another 24 hours. That's tough Mm. noogies, don't do that again. (laughs) that's not necessarily going to be the right trade-off for an end user who just got a new machine because the last one just literally just stopped working and and they can't resurrect it. So, having that mobility and having a trusted third party like the major cloud providers is for those use cases a really good set of trade-offs that gives you the cryptographically strong identity verification so that I can prove that I am who I claim to be to Yahoo, but not have my keys floating around in such a way that the bad guys can get those too. So it is it's a little bit of a trade-off, but it seems like they've gotten it right. And so I guess, you know, let's let's talk again in six, nine months and see <laughs> and see what's happened. But they worked really hard on this. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion that this is uh that this is going to be a major improvement in how we do identity.
1: How long do you think it's going to take for password list to really roll out? And will this last pass incident accelerate that? So
0: I I was wondering exactly the same thing. So, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. And so, uh, you know, I'm hoping that more organizations will ask themselves if they're if their customers were impacted by this or other security related incidents and use this as an accelerant, I'm certainly going to be pushing them to do exactly that. Whether or not uh, I I have enough uh, oomph uh, is is another question, but I'm very persistent. And so I'm really hoping that this starts to bring awareness that we need to transition, that we do have the technologies. uh, They are relatively new. So we'll have to be a little bit cautious about that. But there's no reason why we can't begin that journey and start to see some some positive test cases come out of all of this.
1: Alright, so let's wrap this up. So as, as you said, let's come back to the fact that password managers are still good. And we should be using that. But you know, read this back to me what what are our key takeaways from this incident? What should we do going forward? What do we learn from all this?
0: Well, wow, that's a tall order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I, I think you just you summarized it. So, you know, despite this, despite the the apparent magnitude of this and despite the anxiety and the frustration on the part of a lot of security researchers, the consensus still seems to be strongly on the side of using a password manager. And if you haven't been using one, this is kind of a, a good opportunity for you to start. Uh, mm-hmm. Go take a look at some of those um those guides that give you those neutral technical uh, pieces of advice. You've also given a lot of great advice. So, you know, people can listen to you a- along those lines. But I think making sure that you. Uh, And again, it goes back to secure by default, but check the number of iterations. You want to make sure that you have a really strong master password that you uh, if you change that master password because it was weak, you're going to want to go through a a prioritized process of changing your passwords and just kind of the general awareness of how you conduct yourself. And with regard to passwords, it's just kind of if if there's any silver lining, like I think that's it.
1: Mm. Bob, thank you so much for coming on, especially on such short notice and talking about this very, very timely and important topic.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Huge, huge thanks to Bob for coming on the show on such short notice. I was so happy to get him on the show Uh, and he had some great advice. We talked about some really good stuff there. I have in the time since I have interviewed him, which was not long ago, learned some additional information, which I want to pass on. And I have some particular opinions that I want to give you on what I think you should do and what the dangers are here at this point going forward. Again, this is a fluid situation. We are still learning things. There are several details that we have not figured out. I've seen a lot of posts claiming certain things about what is going on. Some of them I know are hyperbolic. Some of them I think need to be proved out. We don't know for sure. So take those kind of things with a grain of salt. Keep your eye on more reputable news organizations that are going to take the time to vet statements before they, before they say them. And it's not just somebody blowing off steam on, on social media. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just saying that we need to be careful about knee-jerk reactions to some of these things. So I know we are gonna go over time on this. Uh, I'm gonna try to keep this short, but I've got several things that I wanna go through with you before we quit here today on this very special and important topic. First of all, let me reiterate. If you have not used a password manager, this is not a reason not to use one. We have always known that this was a threat. We have always known this was possible. That is why we say you really, really need a strong master password. If you have a very strong master password, you probably don't have anything to worry about in this particular breach. That is the way this is supposed to work. If you, if you have a good password and the encryption was done properly, it's useless for anybody to have a copy of that data. Now, of course, we may not all think that we do have a password that's quite that strong. Maybe we're worried now that it wasn't quite as good as it should have been, and, and we'll get to that, and I, will, and I will have recommendations for you. But if you're not using a password manager, you should be. You really should, despite what we're talking about today, You Just make sure you've got a really strong master password. Make sure you're using two-factor authentication everywhere you can, including and especially for your password vault, even though in this particular case, that doesn't help you. It still keeps people out of your account. And if you have two-factor authentication set up on all your accounts, even if someone were to get your encrypted password vault, crack your password, get into that vault and find your passwords for all your accounts. If all those accounts are also protected by two-factor authentication, they still can't get to your account because they don't have your cell phone handy. And so that is why we have defense in depth. That is why we do all these things. This incident is a perfect example of why I've been telling you to do all these things and why all the security experts have been telling you to do all these things for all these years. This brings that into stark relief. This is a teachable moment. So let's learn from what is going on here. All right, so what what did go on here? Again, we talked about it in the thing, but just briefly, you know, LastPass is a cloud-based password manager. You put your passwords into the password vault. They're encrypted on your device. They are sent up to LastPass so that they can be synchronized with your other devices so that you have access to your passwords everywhere you need to. That's, that's the beauty of cloud-syncing password managers. But that does mean that somewhere... LastPass has a copy of your password vault. Now that password vault is encrypted with your master password and they've actually gone to some links including this password-based key derivation function iteration thing and some other techniques. They can take even kind of a crappier middling password and beef it up to try to make that even better and and make it even that much harder for the bad guys to get into your vault, even if they do manage to get a a copy of the encrypted vault. And even if you don't have a great password, they've gone to extra lengths to make it difficult for them to get into that vault. But trust no one is a big buzzword phrase in security right now. And what that basically means is you need to have defense in depth. You need to assume that bad things are going to happen and prepare for them. And so one of the ways you do that is you make sure that your master password is really good. Now, we talked a little bit about how to create good passwords in the podcast. I'm not going to get into all that again here. We've talked about it on past episodes, and I've had blog articles. There are links in the show notes. Please follow those. Uh, There's stuff in my book about this as well. Passphrases are another great way to go. I've got a whole website devoted to this, d20key.com. And again, links to all of this is in the show notes. Please check that out. So some of the things that I've learned since the interview. I saw some security researchers who actually looked at their password vaults and picked it apart to try to figure out what was and what was not encrypted. And this is one of the things that LastPass really messed up here. They did not encrypt everything. Why you would encrypt everything in your vault is beyond me. I just don't get it. Now, the key things, of course, were. So if you think of every entry in the vault, you know, it's got a certain set of fields. And one of them is the name. Like you're going to give every every entry in your vault is going to have a name that you give it you know, maybe Bank of America or Amazon. And then there's also a URL associated with that. What website is that password associated with? Then there's, of course, the username and password, the actual login credentials for that website. And then there's several, several other fields, some of which you can directly see, and some of which are kind of behind the scenes that LastPass keeps metadata on for that, for each of those entries. So your name, the, the name you gave it, the little text, name that you gave that entry in your vault, your username, your password, the folder, if, you have, if you've got folders that you organize these things in, and if there's any notes on that thing, there's a little area for notes for these accounts where you can add little other bits of information that you wanna save with that. All of those fields appear to be fully encrypted. That's good news. The bad news is there are many other metadata fields associated with these entries that were not, for some inexplicable reason, were not encrypted. And the main one being the URL. So amazon.com, bankofamerica.com, pornhub.com, you can see where the URL could be very telling and it could contain private information. And that's not just the domain name that's the problem, because when you first log into these websites and you save your password, it actually saves whatever the entire web address is that you're currently on right now, which might be a login page, but that might also have refer information in built into the web url or some other parameters built into the web url that might give away even more information so unless after the fact you went back and hand edited the the web address that it saved against that entry whatever that URL was at the time you saved the password is what got saved into your vault and it was not encrypted i don't know why there are several other fields i'm uh, that i've got here that uh, i'm not going to bother reading them all but you know like Do you have auto login set for that particular site? When was the last time you used that site? When was the last time you changed the password? Is it a favorite? Those kind of metadata fields and some others, uh, for whatever reason, were not encrypted. I don't get it. The other thing I don't get, I got to say this, and I I don't mean to pass the buck, but (laughs) there's a lot of security people that I trusted that have recommended LastPass that somehow until this happened was not aware that these fields were not encrypted. This is the first I've ever heard of this. Certainly, had I known about this earlier, I would not have recommended LastPass. This one issue with LastPass would have been enough for me to say, hey, if you're going to get into a password manager, try something else. Don't start with LastPass because this is, as far as I'm concerned, inexcusable. I, I, I don't understand why this is. And maybe we'll find out more, but and maybe heck, maybe we'll find out that the other password managers are like this as well. I doubt it, but this, this is not good. So that metadata is bad for lots of reasons. First of all, it tells the bad guys where to go. It tells it tells them where you have accounts. If they want to try to, you know, go hack your accounts and maybe pick certain passwords, or maybe you reused a password somewhere, then they know exactly what accounts to go try that other password on. The password stuffing. And I again, like Pornhub or something else. If you have an account with it, some other site, you know, Ashley Madison or or some of these other sites where you might have to have an account that might be embarrassing for somebody to know. That wasn't encrypted, I, I, I don't get that. The other problem that I see with LastPass, and I, I've yet to verify this, is this whole thing about the password-based derivation function iterations count. You want that to be around 100,000 or more today to be really secure. Currently, that is the LastPass standard, but I have heard rumors that if you're an older customer, and back in the day, it was only 5,000, let's say. I think that was the number. Uh, they may not have forced you to update that when they raise their own standards, and if that's the case, that's bad too. But that's that's a nitpicky thing. It, it is a security issue. I'm not trying to downplay it, but you know, I think the bigger issue here is the leak of the metadata that was not encrypted. That I don't get that at all. All right, so we should assume if you are a LastPass customer, or if you ever have been a LastPass customer, you should assume at this point, until we know more, that your vault, as of uh, maybe two or three months ago, has been copied. So what does that mean? So that has a few dangers. First of all, all this metadata I'm talking about is now available. That's bad. If you have a weak password, then you would have to assume that at some point soon, that vault is going to be unencrypted, meaning that all the passwords that were in your vault as of two or three months ago, and honestly, all the information that was in your vault as of two or three months ago will become visible to these bad actors. That may include things you can't change like social security numbers. Whatever secret notes you had in there, maybe banks with routing information and account numbers, credit card numbers, uh worse yet debit card numbers, unless you want to proactively change all those accounts now, uh which you could do, those numbers could be visible in the near future to bad actors. Also note that even changing your master password now won't affect the copy of the vault that they have. The copy of the vault they have is encrypted using whatever password you used as of two or three months ago. I will say that one more thing that I don't like about what LastPass did here is the timing of the announcement was really unfortunate and honestly looks quite suspicious. December 22nd, right before the weekend, right before Christmas, That's the kind of thing you do when you want to bury the story, when you don't want it to get a lot of bad press. I hope that that's not why they chose that date. It may not be why they chose that date. We don't know, but it it, it does look fishy. We will have to see what, what happened there. I have seen other security experts picking apart a lot of other technical details about how LastPass does their password managers. I'm not going to get into all that here. I think some of that is... It, it's valid. I'm not sure how huge of a problem it is. You know, these are design choices that they made. Who knows why? And who knows if the other top password managers are not doing that or similar other things that are might be questionable in the eyes of some security researchers. There's a lot of trade-offs to be made. Who knows? There's no such thing as a perfect anything. So I'm not as hung up about some of those things. If, if, any, if any one of those things rises up as something that's just glaringly bad, I will bring that up in a future episode. But for now, I think those are kind of more minor technical details. All right, so now let's, let's get to the nitty gritty. Uh, what is my advice for you? Again, I will caveat this by saying, don't just take my word for this. Be on the lookout for other cogent, reasoned articles, non-hyperbolic articles, non clickbait articles from reputable sources that will talk about this and see what they say as well. But I've read some of those already myself. And uh, certainly I've been following some security folks on social media. And based on all of that, based on what I know today in a fluid ongoing situation, here's what I recommend you do. First of all, if you are not already a password manager user, use a password manager, but don't use LastPass. I would this point, if you're going to start out from scratch, you may as well start with something else. I would recommend either 1Password or Bitwarden. They both have their pros and cons. I've heard a lot of great things from security folks about 1Password. The downside is it's a little bit pricey and it's proprietary and closed source. So for a lot of what they say they're doing, we just have to take them at their word. I don't like that personally, which means I I am going to lean toward recommending Bitwarden instead. It is 100% open source. That doesn't mean that they have no bugs in their code at all. But what it does mean is that it's right there for everybody to see and can be vetted by people who do know what they're looking for. And there's no secrecy about what it is they're doing. We can all tell right now, or at least experts who know how to read code can tell what's being encrypted and what's not, how they're encrypting it, etc uh, etc et and and I think that is an important thing when it comes to privacy and security. So my personal choice at this point would be Bitwarden, but I think one password is a, a very valid other option if you prefer to go that route. Now, if you're a last pass user and what you've learned to date is enough to sour you on their product and service to the point where you want to switch, then again, those would be my recommendations. It's actually not as hard as you might think. You can export your passwords from LastPass and import them into One Password or Bitwarden pretty easily, and they both of those services have clear instructions on how to do that because it's in their best interest to get you to switch, right? So it's actually not that hard. So if you do want to switch, that part of the process is not so bad. The hard part actually is the part you should be doing whether you switch or not. So if you are worried about the strength of your master password, or if you, out of an abundance of caution, want to do everything you can do to protect yourself, just to be sure, here's what you should do. First, change your master password. This will not do anything for the copy of the vault they already have, which I have already said. However, <laughs> if they manage to crack that password, then they can try to log into your account, and they you do not want them to be able to do that because you're about to make a bunch of other changes that you don't want them to see. So first and foremost, change your master password. You can use a passphrase. You can go to d20key.com. Again, look in the show notes for some other articles about how to come up with a good uh, password and passphrase. Come up with a new master password for your vault and use that first. Second, if you're going to switch, go ahead and switch now. Export your passwords from LastPass and import them to One Password or into Bitwarden. And then, regardless if whether or not you're moving to a new system or not, you should start changing your passwords and start with the most important ones first. And by that, I mean, as we talked about, you know, financial stuff, medical stuff, government stuff, social media, uh, email, any place that has your credit card information on file, maybe, uh, and then start going from there. And, you know, at some point you're going to get to like Etsy or some candle subscription website or something that, you know, maybe you don't care about and there's diminishing returns there. Uh, you know, you can worry about those maybe later. But start with the important ones and just start methodically working your way through them. Start with the ones maybe that don't have two factor authentication enabled. That's another factor in prioritizing the ones you want to change. And certainly, as you're doing that, if possible, add two factor authentication. Defense in depth is crucial. We want to have as many roadblocks as possible to accessing our accounts so that when bad things like this happen, if one aspect of our security fails, we've got a backup we've got something else that's protecting us so that's that's my basic advice the other the other advice I will give in general beyond that, even if you're not going to change all your passwords, because they now have access to a lot of metadata, be very, very wary more than normal be very careful about phishing attempts if you could potentially get some very targeted phishing attempts that would contain a lot of information that you would think that only the valid you know, account site or service provider would know about you and think, oh, they know all these things, then this must be a, a legit email or a legit text message or even a legit phone call. Be very, very careful uh, and make sure that in all cases that you like manually go if you know, if, let's say Bank of America, you get a text or an email from them saying, Hey, there was this last pass breach, your account has been compromised, you need to click here to fix that Log in and change your password or whatever. Don't click that link, uh, go to bank yourself, log into your account manually. You can, you know, you can use your password manager to log in, that's fine. Change your password if you haven't. But don't trust those links. They could be wrong. They could be uh, They could be fake websites. And this is another great reason for using a password manager. If you click on this link accidentally, you trust it and you click on it and you go to the site and it's supposedly it's bank of and your password manager, for some strange reason, isn't offering to fill in your credentials for you. That should be a clue that you're not really on bank America.com. You're on a fake website. Your password manager will not be fooled by bank zero F com. Now I do want to say one more thing. At times like this, uh, some people will say, "Well, that's why I shouldn't use a password manager." But there's also going to be some other, you know, top-notch security people to say, "Well, you're stupid to use a cloud-based password manager. You should never be storing passwords in the cloud." I, honestly, I, for most people who are not willing to really bend over backwards, it's just not convenient it just i mean what are you going to do i mean if you so if you have you you can use something like keepass for example and save your passwords in a local vault that is a file on your computer that never leaves your computer okay well now you're on your smartphone how do you log into something well then you think okay well you know what i'll i'll synchronize it myself i'll i'll take that encrypted vault and i'll put it in dropbox and then i'll sync it to my other devices now you're right back into the same situation that vault now exists in a third party cloud service that you cannot control that may somehow get loose and bad guys get a hold of you're right back to where you were before you could also you know try to hand type these things in maybe you put all your passwords on your your phone and now you're at your computer and now you've got to bring up that password and show the password and type it in by hand and hope you don't mess it up Most people just will not do that and they will revert to bad old ways. So I, that is an option. It's not to me a viable option for most people. If you can be that disciplined, if you could go through all of that inconvenience, more power to you, go ahead and do that. That is definitely more secure. Uh, However, for the vast majority of people, that is just not something I can generally recommend. So my book is currently in publication right now, like they're typesetting it right now. and, I'm working with my editor. I was actually hoping at this point to try to, at the last minute, change my recommendation in the book from LastPass to Bitwarden. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to get that change into the book. I will be able to put a note in the book, certainly, that will tell people to go like to my website and get some updated information on that, but I'll at least have that in there. But for the time being, anybody who has never used a password manager, I will be recommending that they start with Bitwarden or maybe 1Password as their choice and not LastPass. Now, if you are already a LastPass user, like I am, like my family is, I think it might be a wait and see scenario. I think you should probably, if you're worried about having a weak master password, you should do everything I've already mentioned. Change your master password and then start changing your other passwords. That's the safest thing to do. But if you're already a LastPass user and don't want to have to switch to something else, you know, maybe you've got a bunch of shared passwords with your family or friends. And so not just you would have to switch, but they would all have to switch too. So if that's the case, you might want to hold off on that particular decision until we know more information. All right, everybody, thank you for hanging in there. I know this was a long episode, but this was very important. There will be updates to this, I'm sure. So stay tuned to social media and to the podcast. As I learn more, I will pass that on to you. So that's going to wrap it up for this. The first episode, a special episode starting off 2023, an inauspicious way to begin the new year, unfortunately. So tune in next week. I'll probably will do my new year's resolutions next week, barring any, any other catastrophes between now and then. And I'll probably do two new shows in a row. So I'll probably kind of spread things out a little bit, and then we'll get back on our regular schedule for interviews and new shows until then. Everybody take care, stay safe, and don't get caught with your drawbridge down.